0: war movies are the bane of my existence in general they so make I no think, sense right no no they what, suck they do suck and what makes no sense is why critics would lap it up but i guess it has to suck for the critics to love it
1: yes that's that's probably one of their tick boxes right does it suck to everyone else oh
0: it's pretension season
1: yeah exactly
0: if if it feels like a movie that most won't like it for like <laughs> obvious reasons then yes
1: yes it's the movie of the it's a 10 out of 10 yeah Yeah. whatever top 10 list you go to top 10 movies of all time you usually find that the top 10 are unwatchable you just can't sit through them in general yeah yeah. and then and then the godfather occupies the first spot which (laughs) i think is an actual classic that's an actual banger becoming egyptian Okay, welcome back to Becoming Egyptian. Hopefully you guys had a nice shower. You're all dry now and you can stick your headphones in and rely on us to take you through the next 30 to 45 minutes with some of our um, commentary. Today uh, we're going to be speaking today we're going to be speaking about the best movie of all time and then next episode we're going to speak about the best album of all time and the following episode we're going to speak about the best book of all time and the reason we're speaking about the best of all times is because um all the time that's going to occur in the next month we will be apart from one another we won't be together so we won't be able to film anything so these are three pre-recorded episodes coming your way hopefully they come your way and not over your head so uh Yeah. yeah How are you feeling, Sid?
0: Good, yeah. Hopefully, it's not over the head because the stuff we talk
1: about is so advanced, right? It goes over most people's heads. It's so advanced and so technical, and so incredible that I don't even know how we even well, can. I hope these the, ones the are. I hope these ones are credible. How do the mics even stay on while we're talking (laughs) because sometimes you know the 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 algorithms that it's having to use to capture the audio that we're putting into the mic sometimes is too advanced for today's computers but uh, yeah man uh, so today best movie of all time Uh, how do you approach this how do you approach this? Yeah, this has been a slog, right? This has been a huge um, process of elimination
0: that started. You know, you have your tree that you're writing down on your piece of paper. It's like, it's going to be a quarterfinal, semi final, see who wins. Yes. But the problem is the tree starts with at least 68 contenders. It doesn't start at a quarterfinal. Yes, so, yes. It's the yeah. first
1: quarterfinal to contain 68 participants.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a huge, huge slog. Um, but, you know,. For the, for the channel, we had to do it. You rounded it out to one? You got there in the end? I
1: got there in the end, yeah. yeah. I think it's a very interesting doozy of an answer. Damn. Well, yeah, you know, obviously, I guess as a precursor, it's best to say that these are the movies that we've watched, so <laughs> 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 there might be some that we've left out in terms of our best of selections that just exist, but we haven't seen and there's nothing I can do about that, right? Is there something I can do about that? You can watch it. I can watch it and I can revisit this in 2024 and do it again, which we probably might. But on fan uh, demand. Upon demand, we'll do it again. If there's no demand, then hey. Then even this video is gonna get deleted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what are you gonna do, right? What are you gonna do? Well, let, let us know. So you, you said at one point you rounded it down to 10. Tell us the nine that didn't win.
0: Yeah, the nine that didn't make the cut are probably more interesting. Um, Because the one that I did pick is like a a huge popular choice and many people would pick this and I would be in a majority probably for saying this. Um, Although perhaps not a majority in a group of people I'd like to be associated with. (laughs) Um, The nine that didn't make the cut, I guess, Say, I was thinking of the Rocky movies because that's my favorite series of all time. But individually, I'd say none of the movies are um, good enough to make the cut. Harry Potter... Pirates of the Caribbean, all the like famous series, um, are all really great as a like cohesive series. But I think individually, some of the movies, you know, they lack the pomp that one might require to stay up past their bedtime. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, aside from that, some of the classics like, uh, I guess I haven't seen a lot of the mid like 40s, 50s, 60s classics, but um, Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, that kind of stuff is up there, but not, I can't bring myself to saying that's the best movie ever because I think um, that would be just, you know, over, over overemphasizing the nostalgia factor, which I'm no fan of. You're no fan of doing that. Yeah. yeah. What do
1: you you think about war movies?
0: (sighs) War movies are the bane of my existence in general. They make no sense, right?
1: No, no. They suck.
0: They do suck. And what makes no sense is why critics would lap it up. But I guess it has to suck for the critics to love it.
1: Yes, that's that's probably one of their tick boxes, right? Does it suck to everyone else? Oh,
0: it's pretension season.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: If, if it feels like a movie that most won't like it for like <laughs> obvious reasons, then yes, yes. It's the
1: movie of the... F- it's a 10 yeah. out of 10. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's what you find if you go through like the top 10 Rolling Stones... Um, Movies of all, oh no, they don't do top 10 lists, but whatever top 10 lists you go to, top 10 movies of all time, you usually find that the top 10 are unwatchable. You just can't sit through them yep. in general. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then, yeah. And then The Godfather occupies the first spot, which <laughs> I think is an actual classic. That's an actual banger.
0: Yeah, in keeping with, oh yeah, so war movies I'm not a fan of, but mafia films are always near the top for me.
1: I uh, love mafia films. Yeah,
0: yeah, Scar- Scarface was a near miss
1: for me. Like Yeah, right. So it's like uh, hitting the top, the, the, the top post in, the, in football, right? It, yeah. it almost was a banger, top bins, but it just hit the, it hit the post. Yeah, because there's always someone who comes along
0: who slices a finer cheese than you. And I think my pick for today is someone who cut a good cheddar. So your pick is a mafia movie? No, okay. but it's something that's better as a genre as well than mafia films. Perhaps the only one.
1: Okay, tease us a little bit. What's the genre? Uh, Romance slash drama. Romance slash drama. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess also I'll round up. I'll say some of the movies that made my uh, top list without saying the number one. So the number two, and this Mm. was the closest final that I've ever seen in sporting history. It was between Inglorious Bastards and this movie that I picked as number one. And then after that, we've got Lost in Translation, number three, which is personally my favorite film. And I'm not usually a fan of people saying, you know, having different favorites and best because just say the best is your favorite. Like, you know, if, if you just open your mouth and speak for yourself. But in this situation, I understand that I, lo- I watched Lost in Translation in a better mindset for that movie. So it got like an extra bonus 1000 points, which is why I'm, I'm moving it down to third place in my list because it's still a great movie standalone regardless of my mood, but my mood boosted it to my favorite. But number four, I've got Dazed and Confused. I've got a movie called Sideways, which is about these two fellas just going through the vineyards, trying out wine, and it's sort of like hangout-y style, like Dazed and Confused. And then I've got uh, multiple other ones, like 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was in there, which I wouldn't watch again, actually, but was another one of those movies that caught me at the right time. I've got Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, <laughs> an animation, and Ratatouille, an animation, which I just think are two testaments to humanity. Those two films are. Yeah. And um and a recent horror, Get Out by Jordan Peele. What a display of how to use tension in film. I've never seen anything like that. But I guess enough of the enough of uh what didn't make the cut? Said what did make the cut for you?
0: Just before that, so our previous lambasting of the critics, I think w- there is a need to say that there are exceptions. So war movies are bad, except Inglorious Bastards. There's always that one unicorn that seems to defy the norm, right? Yes. Glorious yes. Bastards is that war movie. Like all mafia movies are good in general, but there's probably one like Donnie Brasco that's just shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, And exactly. that's why it's going to be on the top ten list because it's just not good. It is. It is, and it is on the top ten list. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure. But uh, yeah, there's probably some other ones that I'm missing. There's some foreign films that I really thought about, but I thought yes. to mention a foreign film here would be a bit out of line, you know? Yes, One of yeah. them is Seven Samurai by Akira Kurosawa, Japanese movie. This is the only black and white movie that I, that I could sit through. Yeah. I tried sitting through Citizen Kane and I did. But to say I sat through it is probably an exaggeration. You know, I probably look to the side here and there, mm. look to the left side, look to the right side. You, no one really watches Citizen Kane because you can't keep your eyes on the, on the screen for that bore of a snooze fest. And exactly. And all you're actually doing... Sorry, baby fell down there. Uh, maybe you're t- talking about Citizen Kane too much. Um, yeah, you know, all you can really do is check whether the critics are right when you're watching Citizen Kane. You don't actually focus on the story or the movie. Yeah. Some
0: films are like that, right? They're just shrouded in so much cultural significance that you can't detach that. You just end up watching to... to, And while you're watching, you're thinking about what you're going to report back to your friends, about what you thought about it. Exactly. And in turn, what they're going to think of you. Yes, yes, yes. And then in turn, you... You know what was one of those films for me is... um, Rebel Without Cause, Rebel Without a Cause, the James Dean film. Right. James Dean is one of those Kurt Cobain figures, right? Like three albums, three films died and so (laughs) cemented his reputation and could do nothing to litter his own legacy because he was not alive to.
1: Yes, Um, yes.
0: And all throughout Rebel Without a Cause, I was just thinking my opinion of this is going to affect my social standing in my circle.
1: Yeah, so there's more at stake when you want to critique those Movies that are on a pedestal Not only is your critiquing uh, your, your critiquing Reviews going to go down If you get the critique wrong You're literally going to lose friends yeah. And the friends don't even like the movie that you're going to lose no. But they're braver than you And they're willing to stick up the facade Longer than you And so they maintain friends longer than you That's yeah. exactly why you're doing a podcast in Mexico And your friends are actually building a life For themselves Yeah. You're an outcast and um, that's just how it goes with some of those highly, highly, highly rated movies, right?
0: Yeah, and then the ones that do strike a chord that are highly rated but are actually enjoyable experiences, those are the ones. The two greats. of those are the ones we're going to speak about now,
1: right? I guess, yeah, I guess, I it's, guess. I
0: thought um, Days and
1: Confused was going to be your pick, but yeah. Would you like to do a big reveal? Also, I want to say another, one more foreign movie that was in my cut was. The City of God, um, ah, yes. um, a Brazilian Brazilian movie. So one was Japanese, one
0: was Brazilian. The one yes. I was considering that was non-English was I think Chinese, the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. A huge like revenge saga of a guy who's wronged, his father's killed, and then the whole movie is about him like building up like the strength to avenge his father's death. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, another nationality to, nationality to introduce is Miracle in Cell Number Seven, which is Turkish,
1: Turkish, and it's just the most tear-jerking film you'll ever see. So it just it just opened your eye, your eye ducts, your wa- the water ducts in your eyes. Yeah, yeah, and at the end the flood of that, the
0: floodgates. <laughs> that is significant, man, because in that moment, after finishing the film, if someone asked me, "Is this the greatest movie ever?" I'm gonna say yes straight away because mm.
1: I'm leaking from my eyes, you know. Yeah, something that makes you cry in the moment holds the number one spot for at least two weeks, right? Yeah, and then after that, the rationality comes back. (laughs) Yeah, after that you're like, dude, that was shit.
0: Yeah, but I do think with every subsequent experience like that, where you have a complete emotional release and then the rationality kicks back in, every next time that that happens, the rationality doesn't come in as strongly. Now you're softer inside. Right, now so now you're, more a of a, you're more of a child every single time. But in a good way, yeah. You've got a soft spot inside of you that you can yield,
1: wield if necessary. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah, so that, that, that breaks, I guess, all of my ones that were contenders for number one. Yeah. And I guess you laid out yours. So what made your number one in the end, Sid? It was...
0: Easily the greatest film ever, Titanic.
1: Dum dum dum. I'm going
0: to find no one who disagrees with me. I'm going to find a horde of 14 year old girls who are now 44, perhaps. Yes. Um, who agree. Who agree, for whom their tear ducts were also ripped open in 1997 by a certain Leo. And you're going to make an echo chamber.
1: Yeah, with them.
0: Yeah. I I'm on many Titanic subreddits online, and all we talk about is like little
1: peculiarities of the film, and um, there's no other place I'd rather be. Wow, wow, the Titanic. Okay, pause there. Yeah. I guess I'll say my number one. No need for a drum roll because the title's quite long, but The Wolf of Wall Street oh, no. <laughs> takes my number one film of it's all time. It's a DiCaprio fest. It's a DiCaprio fest today. You can't really escape the guy, whether it's in acting whether it's like um, whether you're a model and you're looking for a boyfriend you can't escape him you can't if escape a critic you
0: can't escape if him if you're a
1: critic you can't escape him if you're a director you can't escape him if you're an actor trying to become an actor you can't escape him if you're an environmental activist you can't <laughs> escape him if you're not an environmental activist yeah. you can't escape if him if you're
0: under 25 you can't escape
1: him exactly this guy's everywhere. And that's one of the signs of greatness, right? Omnipresence. <laughs> Omnipresence, yeah. So basically what we were saying about films, that they have to
0: cover all these things. They've got to rip open your emotional ducts. You know, you've got to be standing the test of time. You've got to stand up to critics. He, DiCaprio is that in an actor's form.
1: Yes, yes. I, yes. So I think DiCaprio is one of those guys that the critics will like... They, they They're too they've got too much of a carrot up their bum to say he's the best already, like the best of all time. But once, they, once you give him like 40 years and the current camera quality that we're using is seen as like vintage quality, they will take DiCaprio as the best actor of all time.
0: What is it about, like, people not giving enough, you know, preference to modern-day, current, what's going on? Like, what is exactly, it? it exactly, yeah. Does he have to get a lifetime award and he has to be 80 and in a wheelchair before we recognize
1: that he's pro- probably the greatest actor ever? Mm, exactly. And so, it's a tight one as well because I do know why De Niro is always mentioned as, like, one of the best or Al Pacino. Um, I get it because they are great too. But I think DiCaprio has... If I list out his films, like all of them are just bangers, performance wise. Mm. So. And
0: popularity wise, right? He's not one of those, as much as I like, I've come to like um, Daniel Day Lewis now. Yes, yes. The world doesn't care about Daniel Day Lewis the way the Academy cares about him.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the Academy is a weird one. Like, the Academy cares about Daniel Day Lewis. But nobody cares about the academy. Right. So we have this triangle of no fucks given. Right. Yeah. 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 World's worst triangle because none of the points meet. None of the points meet. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't get this because no one cares about the academy. Yet the academy has some sort of power and rap and like, you know, they have this finger on the world that is far more powerful than what they deserve.
0: That's the thing. So, people care about the academy because their jobs rely on it in some circles, right? So, innately, no one's called to care about the academy,
1: but you sort of have to because it's like,
0: I don't know, but you have to.
1: But who the hell is that? Like, who works there? It's like What's, eight guys. It's eight guys. Is it three guys? Is it two guys, one woman? Well, pr- now it's probably two women, two guys. Two just guys to, in a wheelchair. Yeah, just to... Even out the score line over there in the Academy. And that's
0: the recent Oscars requirement as of 2023. Mm, you, or yeah. As of 2022,
1: you have to have uh,
0: meet the diversity quota if you want to submit your film.
1: Yeah. That's why films have gotten so great recently. I agree. And the Oscars have rised in popularity.
0: Yeah. And that's why equity should be the number one thing on anyone's list.
1: <laughs> but how, how come they have no CEO? Who's the CEO of the Academy? Or is it a business? Rick Flair, (laughs) yeah, Rick Flair. uh, Rick Flair and the CFO is Bill Gates. Like, who (laughs) owns that thing? And is it a business? And that's the thing. Or is it a Facebook group? Like, what is it? Academy, yeah, yeah. What is the academy? Like, what? They're trying to be like the Dark Knight. (laughs) Like, nobody, nobody knows who they are. Yeah. So there's there's
0: great entities like the Dark Knight who have to like actively hide themselves because they don't want to reveal the academy like no one knows them anyway and no one would recognize them
1: yeah man yeah but anyways leave the academy alone funny funnily enough one of the academy's favorite people steven spielberg not mentioned today yeah funnily enough funnily right enough. i actually like i actually like all of his movies but yeah to me steven spielberg's movies Uh, I guess people will say besides Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List, like those usually hold up as profound movies. But I say the rest of them are all just really good cinema movie going experiences, but haven't really stuck with me for any time after I've watched it. I do think it's
0: not designed to. It's meant to be more of a spectacle in the moment. It's meant to be like the the build up is the key there with the Spielberg film it's like oh two weeks to go until I see Jurassic Park yeah, and the and promotions looked literally jaw dropping and it is when you watch it, it it's is, amazing but there's nothing to talk about afterwards
1: yeah and the cinematography and the directing and the storytelling is the best of its class the best ever really and he is one of the best directors ever but you just don't it doesn't attach itself to a fragment of your heart like certain movies do and you leave the cinema like you say with that two-week chip on your shoulder the other Uh, thing that
0: spielberg has going against him is there's such an equal distribution of greatness in his films it's not all congregated in the godfather like with francis ford coppola and apocalypse now like he's got like 15 huge hits more probably
1: yes yes all of them are equally as hittable as, as the last, right? Yeah. And the thing is, the thing about the Francis Ford Cop- uh, Coppola style of having—I mean, Apocalypse Now—everyone agrees is great as well. But I would say the Godfather outshines anything else that he's done, and that's not a bad thing. It's like to release something so great as your only great film is insane. It's still really good. Then we got to have the meta discussion of is one great film greater than ten good films? Exactly, and it just goes back to everything that we've been ever speaking about ever, yeah. right? But why, why did you pick the Titanic, Sid?
0: Yeah, yeah, well, speaking sort of in line with what we were just saying now about directors, James Cameron is my Steven Spielberg. He's the guy who I can't get enough of, um, even though I recognize that he's not the greatest director ever, but he's just like uh, one I have a personal in- affinity for. He's this guy who like you know i'd watch his interviews i'd search up what he's up to and this kind of thing there's like a cult of celebrity about him that mm. i can't get enough of and i think it is that whole like coming out of nowhere once a decade
1: yeah yeah making
0: a highest grossing film ever T- today i just checked the stats and it's like 3 3 of the highest four grossing films ever are him
1: wow yeah the two yeah, avatars he's, a, he's a box office king right yeah yeah what's and number 1 is that avengers
0: avatar now i think Ah. And then Avengers is the other one in the top five, which I have not even seen.
1: That was also on, in Avengers Infinity War was one of the things I was deciding on <laughs> as well. No joke. Um, I hope that's a joke. It's not a joke. Seriously, we dude, you not, need to watch yeah. it. But um, Avatar so, is great. Avatar is great. And the it's not second Titanic great. And the second Avatar got so much criticism because like, oh, you know, it's not telling the same story as The Godfather but it's it was so beautiful visually i could have watched them swim through the i could have watched them swimming through the ocean like for 7 hours
0: and look it up people the godfather's not original either so,
1: exactly exactly so what yeah, are you well, do you
0: yeah well with the titanic what i really really am drawn to is, is the whole the spielberg factor in a sense but done in Cameron style so it's the spectacle of it all it's the fact that i i really like the Behind the film's uh, cultural scene that was like bubbling up when the film was being released and produced, the whole um, most expensive film ever made, made about the most expensive boat ever made, which was also the biggest boat ever made, which was also trying to be the fastest. It's always it's this it's the movie of superlatives. The
1: grandiose, right? The
0: grandiosity of Titanic is rife within Ooh. and without the film. It's it's in the film. It's the greatest love story ever told. It's the only love story ever told. It's, it's the, the
1: classic, right? It's star-crossed uh, lovers. And it's also the um, the unattainable princess figure um, is attained by the low echelon scum of society dirtbag guy yes, yes. above all the other princes that are currently competing for her. And
0: everyone in contemporary society is against it until they see the purity of that. Of the love. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And And it's
0: Shakespearean um, in its grandiosity as well, in that we know the ending of the film when it starts. We know everything about the film. We know what's going to happen in the plot. And we also know that the fictional story that's going on within the film, we also know how that's going to end in a sense. Um, Yeah, yeah. and And that, I think, actually gives the director more license to be freer and more lucid with his thought. Because the ending's there. What's the most creative way I can get to it? Yes. sensitivity yes. to hole-making one might say
1: yeah yeah and and so yeah and so he really it's up to him now to take you on the roller coaster of emotions because the the end release like you say has a set point nothing you can do about that so inherently there's like not a lack of t- there's, you're not you're not for a lack of tension But you don't have as much tension as, say, the usual suspects where you don't... No one knows the ending of a movie like that. And it's building up, building up, building up, building Mm -hmm. up, building up to a release. Everyone knows the release. So, it's like you say, the whole making process here is all about how many pathways can I take your emotions through before we get to the ending. And he did that with excellence in that movie. And I think everyone identifies with this story because every man or every boy wants that, right? They want to be able to get a girl that is way out of their league and beat people that are way higher than them, right? In class. Yes. And that's the classic OG relatable story, right? Desire.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um, everyone knew when he was making the film that it is your classic, like you say, um, rags to riches story. Um, we have every reason to not like DiCaprio, but then there's, a, there's the quality, uh, there's the aspect of the actual qu- um, quality of acting in the film, which is, I think, one of the finest we've seen as well in film history. Um, the one thing I would say, like, because I don't believe there is a perfect film, Titanic comes close, as does Fight Club and The Lion King. But the one thing that's lacking in the Titanic, I would say, is I think the casting. And I seem to be the
1: only one on these subreddits that seems to think that they're not (laughs) a good pair. (laughs) On the Titanic subreddits. So let me guess who you want to change. You want to change Kate Winslet, the lead female actor, actress.
0: Yeah, and it's not because she didn't do a good job. I just think her face. Is not appropriate because she looked a bit older than Jack.
1: Yes, she did look a bit older because he he was too baby faced. Yeah. We needed someone way younger.
0: And she, I think in the film, her character Rose is 17 and I don't think she looked 17.
1: No. And that's not an insult to her. That's just a observation on age. That's an insult to James. To James Cameron for casting incorrectly. Someone should have been 19 in real life, right? To play a 17 year old. Hmm because otherwise we have this American bully effect where you're like, is that what the bullies look like in America? (laughs) Yeah. But those, like, 30-year-old guys playing 16-year-old kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I think there's, other than that, there's a couple other factors, but I won't go on for too long. James Cameron also has this impeccable um, quality of, like, ridiculous attention to detail where he actually hired the guy, I found out as I was reading yesterday, he hired the guy who originally like wove the carpet, the fancy red carpet in the Titanic that's now iconic. Yeah. Um, he found the guy to replicate that to the perfect dimensions with the right materials and all of that, and he paid that guy like thousands or hundreds of thousands to replicate that original boat um, rug carpet thing for the film. And then Shit. he asked, he talked to everyone. He talked to like 150 people that were just like the the crew on the ship and gave them all intricate backstories. And then he was saying, if it happens to be the case that you come into my shot on camera, I need you to play the part of the backstory. Not just like the guy who's taking food to the room. The guy who's taking food to the room who, you know, four years ago his mom died and six years ago he finished university and like all of this stuff.
1: Mm, mm, Yeah, so a real attention to detail there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is something I didn't think I'd appreciate because it's not the quality of art that I like. The replication aspect is not something I value. But... It's just something that's cool. And yet another feather in James Cameron and Titanic's cap.
1: Yeah, it's cool after you decide that the movie is great. It's like one of those details that in a movie gets swept under the rug if the movie as a whole is not good. That's why storytelling is king, because you get your storytelling wrong and nothing else that you did matters. Yeah. but if you get it right then everything else that you did matters and that seems yeah. to be the situation here whereas like if he missed on the story of jack and rose if he just missed who gave who gives two shits if you got the guy to redo the carpet like you just wasted two hours of my yeah. time
0: it's such a big big undertaking to do the carpet because you have to be banking on the fact that everything else is perfect
1: and it was exactly yeah well man that's that's honestly that's a reasonable case for the Titanic I'll, I'll lay out my one, one more factor yes
0: the cultural context um, he had this is the Cristiano Ronaldo effect he had every reason to fail everyone's yes. wanting him to fail yep um, but he doesn't and then the critic even after the movies come out movie comes out um, the critics give it like a 7 out of 10 and then they're like oh wait no no the money's still pouring in Um, and like everyone's unanimously agreeing that this is like a thing to marvel at. Let me just slightly shift it to a seven and a half and then you see like uh, reiterated versions coming Mm. from like Rolling Stone magazine as well, who now give it like a almost perfect rating. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because they're thinking, oh, well, if we don't give Titanic that, then how can we give that to like Megamind?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. They've really screwed themselves over with the new rating system, but onto yours okay well the wolf of wall street the reason it was a tough battle is because i've spoken about this before but lost in translation is like my favorite movie but when i was just thinking about like what's the best movie like if i could just give someone one movie to say this is filmmaking and this is (laughs) and we make films i would give them the wolf of wall street because it's Artful from Martin Scorsese first of all, I think he's the best director like ever so like you know like how you say You understand that James Cameron isn't the best director, but he has this You identify quality in him that you really like and you hold on to with me Martin Scorsese like no one can tell me he's not the best like I will will actually have to have a debate because I think he's the best of all time and Who are the others that are close in your mind? um <laughs> Richard Linklater, yeah, um, Quentin Tarantino. I think Francis Ford Coppola is pretty close. I think Stanley Kubrick's really close. Um, I'm probably forgetting, probably forgetting a few guys um, off the spot. But there's a lot of people that are Steven Spielberg close. There's a lot of people I think that are close. But I don't think, I think Martin Scorsese has this special source. In everything that he does and the Wolf of Wall Street I think was the apex of his work and a lot of people will disagree they'll say it was all the earlier stuff
0: they'll just say that because the camera was shitter back then and so now we have bigger license to yes. say yes
1: yes so I mean just like on the directing side of things first of all the relationships that Martin Scorsese curates with actors so we see it in the first half of his life with De Niro and how he continuously cast De Niro over and over but puts De Niro in different situations. That relationship building for Martin Scorsese is one of the, I think he has the best ability to, to do that, right? To find the guy that works the best and cast him over and over and over. Probably and' then, the
0: most um, successful partnership.
1: Yes, right? But until the partnership of Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese comes along, which is equally as successful. So. Yeah. It it's He's done it twice now. So he's proved that it's not like some... I found... De Niro found me and we did something together. He's proved it's yeah. not the case. He's the common factor. He's the common factor, exactly. Because their relationship... His relationship with Di- uh, DiCaprio now is... Especially with the new movie coming out. What is it? Uh, Flower, Killers of the Flower Moon or something Flower like that? Flower Moon, yeah. That's coming out with DiCaprio. That relationship has blossomed That's so much. And De Niro, right? That might be an absolute clusterfuck, yeah. Yeah. But... Yes, so his relationship building skills, his casting skills are, in, are impeccable. The camera choices that he makes, not like quality wise, but the camera movement choices that he makes to tell the story, the pace that he uses in his movies, like this is a bit technical, but he, the, the, the pace that he uses, like Wolf of Wall Street is a three hour movie and I don't get bored, I just don't. Like every single moment I'm on Jordan Balfour's side Hoping that he makes it out of the situation that he's just put himself into and again, it's this Story was an existing story. So they didn't have to come up with anything crazily new But the way that it was written Which obviously credit to the writers, but the way the story unfolds is amazing, right? So that's the credit to Martin Scorsese but then just in general the Wolf of Wall Street the way we watch a guy that's uncorrupted and wants to make it for his wife that he currently has, right? An uncorrupted guy wanting to make it for the better of his family. Until he makes it and ditches his family, goes for the new shiny object of Margot Robbie's character, the Duchess of whatever, Long Island or whatever it is, goes for that, starts making some dickhead moves, and still, we root for Jordan Belfort throughout the entire movie. After he's done these diabolical things, we still what, root what for do you, him. What do you make of that? Like, is that a mistake on our part, or is that Scorsese's genius? I think there's something about watch. There's something about it being in a movie that creates this healthy distance between who we are and what we're watching and what we're supporting. Same like the violence in like Tarantino films. Like you want that violence, yes. And I think that's because everyone inside had. With in with this movie in particular every guy the reason a lot of guys like this movie is because every guy a little bit of them wants that to be manifested like th- what they're seeing on the screen right now this yeah. crazy crazy excess and Jordan Belfort's playing it out and he's making mistakes and no one is a fool to say I wouldn't make that mistake that's why no one is saying oh what a dickhead what an evil guy Jordan is because this corruption is not coming out of nowhere it's pretty hard to resist this corruption
0: yeah they, d- they don't come away thinking that was unrealistic they they know power corrupts they know that all the time that we saw Jordan Belfort's face they were seeing their own they were living vicariously through the film and they know that if if they were in that same situation knowing how it ends for Jordan they would still take the rise and fall off. exactly that as would I I'm no different
1: yes that so it's just crazy like how we go from watching this guy like I say all the way to the end and supporting him through his changes because usually in some films we can see a guy go from the hero to the villain whereas uh, Jordan had the hero to the villain arc hero to the villain back to the hero but we never <laughs> acknowledged the villain part as no. him being a villain he became yeah. a villain but he was still our hero and that just goes to show how well we were made to empathize with Jordan as a character. And that's through great storytelling.
0: Some directors just do that, right? And I think Scorsese is one of those freaks who can do that every time, like hit the nail on the head of blurring the lines of good and evil. He does that a bit in The Departed as well. Yes. Where you have no clue. um, you You understand exactly what's going on, but you don't know which way you want it to go, but whichever way it goes, you're like, oh, that's cool. Yes. Yes. Um, the, and then also, like on DiCaprio, he has this amazing, like, amazing aptitude to do these in depth character explorations that he did in Gats- The Great Gatsby as well. The whole excess, hedonism, yes. all of that stuff. And, like, a one man's, like, self turmoil going all the way down to his core. He, he's perfected that, I think, better than De Niro. And I think DiCaprio is better.
1: Yeah, I think he's the best of all time. But. Um yeah, I just have so many good things to say about this movie and that's why that's why I put it on my the top of my list because I think Inglourious Bastards has the same entertainment factor as The Wolf of Wall Street but not necessarily... I, I don't think it has the same level of commentary as The Wolf of Wall Street does. Mm. So The Wolf of Wall Street stands alone as like this big social commentary and an entertaining watch and it is so funny. Like it's a comedy as well. So... It makes me laugh and not in like a, like, oh, the directing's really good, so I feel obligated to laugh. Not like a laugh track. No, exactly. Like, Jonah Hill's performance. The midgets. The midgets that they throw around, like, the level of excess that they get to and the shit that they get away with in that office is incredible. And Jonah Hill's performance is one of the best I've ever seen from him. Yeah. Margot Robbie's performance is one of the best female performances I've ever seen. Yeah. Plus, she's hot, right? So, that's a perfect casting. And, uh, like, the film is incredible. And then the scene where Jordan Belfort... So, we've seen him become, like, a villain, sort of, in his actions. But the scene where he stands up on the stage and says, I'm not going anywhere. And the yes. team celebrates right and and so it creates this us versus them environment of like sort of like how it would look back in the days with Genghis Khan's tribe like (laughs) going to take over someone else it's like everyone else dreads us everyone else hates us but in this space he's convinced everyone here to be on this side right and so everyone in that office shares the same mentality and that was just so entertaining to watch how his sales skills were so good that not only did he sell in business, but he sold people on himself and as a leader. And so when he says the line, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not fucking going anywhere. Like everyone starts yeah. going crazy. Starts
0: smashing the mic.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah it,
0: and the whole office, the whole trading floor turns into a stadium. Yes. And you're, you're sitting there with goosebumps and you're just a guy with headphones on watching him talk. <laughs> On a microphone. It's ridiculous.
1: It's, it's ridiculous. So yeah, the the motivation, the desire that the audience feels, the danger, the tension. Don't get me started on the on the parallel between Jordan's life going forward, right? So Jordan's life is driving forward, but the FBI's discovery of his shenanigans is also driving forward. So we have this parallel of two things moving oh, forward with an one another. an impending
0: doom aspect where we know it's all going to go up in flames. We
1: know as soon as they step on the boat... And Jordan Belfort wins the first exchange. We know this is going to be a war, not a battle. The classic saying of like you've won the battle, but you haven't won the war. And they get off the boat, and he throws the fucking money at them. You like, know what I call <laughs> these, yeah, yeah. these are fun coupons. Funs, fun coupons, <laughs> right? And yeah. Oh man, and the airplane scene with the Quaaludes, where like they're on the airplane, and he he wakes up like <laughs> <laughs> chained down to the chair. Just some so many like funny iconic scenes. Paired with tension and emotion that you're attached to, you know. So, so one thing I was going to say for the Titanic that I forgot
0: to, that I realize is equally applicable for the Wolf of Wall Street is the idea we were talking about yesterday, about how some creators, directors, authors, writers have this um, so, sort of special skill set where they show you the various angles of everyday life, you know, we're talking yes. about that. And then there's a a different section of um, creators and authors who can show you the extremes that an individual is capable of. So there's the extremes that befall an individual and then the extremes that an individual is capable of. And I think in both those films, Titanic and The Wolf of Wall Street, we see both those things. You see the ordinary guy, Jordan Belfort, do extreme things, but also extreme things happening to him to kickstart that. Same with um, Jack and Rose doing completely irrational things because they're on a bloody boat and they're probably going deranged in the middle of the ocean before
1: each other. But then, yeah, you see both aspects in both films. Yes, yes. And that, yeah, that's exactly the case. And that's why it's so appealing to the, to the average viewer because a lot of people, myself included, consider themselves a normal person. So you put yourself in these shoes and like you sort of get to play out what would happen if these extreme events happened to you, but also how extreme you would get, like you say, mm. so in the it's, normal situation. you
0: know what the Wolf of Wall Street is? It's G-D-A. GTA. It's in GTA in movie form. It's GTA. It's open world film.
1: Yeah, exactly. Any, any, and then, like, how yeah it's just crazy like how he's built himself in from a person that was getting by by just being normal to a person that now cannot get by without being extraordinary so like the, mm. His wife's auntie dies, but he says, no, we need to go because I'm going to lose 17 million. They got to go to Geneva or some shit, right? <laughs> if yeah. we don't leave today, I'm <laughs> losing 17 million. But my auntie died and he uses his sales skills again to convince his wife that she's got to come with, right? And they almost die from this expedition, which they would agree is not worth 17 million dollars. Nah. No. But... Just the fact that that's what kickstarted the whole thing and they almost died.
0: And it's ridiculous because it's worth $17 million if you don't have a roof over your head. But when you have $500 million, it's not worth $17 million. Exactly.
1: I, I'm trying to remember what reason he gives Naomi. Does he say like, she's already dead like she's already dead right like w- um i love your auntie but but we have gone already, now we
0: haven't already got our 17 million so let's go get that <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah and then he's got and, and and also this best friend relationship between him and jonah hill yeah is also something that every guy wants right like every guy wants not only to be in the experience but for the experience to be shared yeah um and that's portrayed as well with jonah hill and 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 what we see in this film is Jonah Hill taking more advantage of the situation than Jordan Belfort himself. Because Jonah Hill is the one, Jonah Hill's character, is the one that gets Jordan into the trouble most of the time from the stupid decisions. So we see the guy actually causing the situation with his extreme sales ability. And then there's a guy benefiting and taking advantage of it more than Jordan. So we get so frustrated with Jonah Hill, but he's also so funny at the same time. Yes. Yeah, and don't even get me started on Matthew McConaughey's one scene. Like, what are we going to do about that? That's one of the best, like, table dinner scenes yeah. of all time.
0: Do you and, think The Wolf of Wall Street has the highest amount of memorable scenes?
1: I I think, yeah. Well, definitely one of the highest for me, like, off the top of my head. Because I can... So many things in there I can remember that I laughed at, that I got scared of. Like, so much shit, man. And, yeah, that... And it's not one of those films where we watched it at a
0: certain age and we thought it was cool because we were younger and it's not like a particular to that moment in our life kind of film. It's just always, always just such a fun thrill.
1: Yes. And so even when the message is not applicable, like I say, the pacing of the movie makes it so that you can sit through it. Like even if you're my dad who just likes to be told a good story on the screen, you can still sit through it because you are being told, not only are you being told a good story, one of the best stories. So yeah. yeah,
0: if you want a film that represents the '80s or like more broadly our times, yes. then you've got that, yes, there's a cultural commentary like you were saying. There's the, some of the finest acting performances individually you'll ever see as well.
1: And I actually think that The Wolf of Wall Street, and along with many other people, I think is Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance ever. So like Titanic, I reckon is his most iconic performance ever. And Wolf of Wall Street is technically. Like acting, technically I reckon his best performance ever. And I feel like the Academy, these bunch of hooligans that we mentioned in the beginning, gave him an Oscar for the revenant, which is like seven movies too late. You know? That was almost like a posthumous Oscar yeah. just because like, oh shit, it's
0: been 20 years. We haven't. We gotta it. give
1: him something, right? Yeah. And that just goes to the to show the fraudulent nature of those guys because the revenant's good. But I'm I'm sure there was like some other better things that happened that year. I mean certainly that Leonardo DiCaprio's done. So it's like, yeah, they just had to give him that pity one. But I count that Oscar that he got for The Revenant as an Oscar that they forgot to give him for Wolf of Wall Street. Because nothing beat Wolf of Wall Street that year. Which and I don't was even the know. one
0: that they forgot to give him for Shutter Island, which was the one that... and you can For go The on Departed. Forever.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: For, and then for Titanic. Maybe DiCaprio... I hadn't thought about this before starting this today,
1: but maybe DiCaprio is the greatest actor ever. I think... People, the critics won't say it until he's retired and it's been like 40 years and maybe until he's died. But I think now it's already, yeah, cemented, dude. Who comes close? Um, I think I would say Al Pacino comes close. And De Niro. I would say yeah. they come really close. Like, I'm the, happy for someone to sit across there and tell me De Niro's is better. Like,
0: then there's the like, um, people who are like Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. <laughs> Marlon Brando, because they've seen the streetcar named Desire once because it's on like the top 10 reputed list. And they're like... Oh, that scene where he cries, Stella! Oh, this is the finest acting I've ever seen. No, yeah. no. Even no. Brad Pitt's better.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and that's not a joke either. Brad Pitt's no, Brad a, a Pitt is g- great actor. Yeah. Inglorious Bastards, Brad Pitt is so good. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so good. But Christoph Waltz, is, yes. if that's his, that's his name, Christopher right? Christopher Waltz, yeah. Christopher Waltz. Okay, so what I want to give Inglorious Bastards quickly is... I think that *Inglorious Bastards* holds the title of having the most intense opening scene of any movie ever. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because I guess with um, not to sound all like um, criticky, but like the Tarantino films, he himself says that his films aren't divided into like sections; they're more movement, like yeah. So they're all really extended and drawn out, and it's a series of like eight different twenty-minute um short films. Short films. And that the in the opening film of *Inglorious Bastards* is just the most Out of riveting world. thing you'll ever exactly.
1: see. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just insane the way that we see the guy like working on his farm, and then the cars, the cars, coming at him from like kilometers away already. Yeah. And we're still like that entire time when he tells his daughters to go away, and then he sits in the room asks for some milk all this shit like
0: yeah and so I think, intense. um executed improperly that would have been such a drag it would have been but so silly t- that's testament to tarantino right? he doesn't
1: miss a beat right like yeah. that's one of those situations where you can't afford to miss a beat because yeah,
0: yeah yeah and i think for that you need to have that auteur director type who's like a crazy megalomaniac who needs to be in charge of every little aspect but when that guy pulls it off yeah.
1: You got to hold your hands up, right? And say, this is why I go to the movies to eat yeah. popcorn. I
0: also think *Inglorious Bastards* is the last great movie.
1: Really? Well.
0: Wow. Yeah. Like as in the greatest of the 21st century, I'd say.
1: Mm. mm. Yeah. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. But, but yeah, do you have any final things to say about Titanic?
0: No. Oh, no, I do actually. One thing. Um, I've come around to liking this idea of a tragedy. Um, I it used to be like a movie with a bad ending can't be, I can't watch it or it's not going to be my favorite. But now I've come around to it. And I, it's more just food for thought than anything else. But I can't, yeah. I can't tell what's switched inside of me that now I like horror films, and I also like movies that, yeah, aren't necessarily the fairy tale ending. Mm. Maybe I'm developing a grit about myself.
1: Maybe, maybe, or maybe you're just tired of watching the other shit.
0: Stay, yeah, stay tuned.
1: Yeah, man. Well, the thing about the Titanic that I want to say is so good is, again, you know we were saying the he's so meticulous about the carpets, the extras, and then he goes and fucks up the last scene with the door, being able to sort of fit both of them on it, right? That's on purpose. Yeah. He screws and, and, it up on purpose. And you reckon he screws it up on purpose, but I think regardless of what he did... The fact that that movie still stands, like you don't think about that until like afterwards when you're like, oh shit, I'm really sad that Jack died. The fact that he can do something so silly, like design wise is a testament to how good the storytelling was throughout the film because any other film that would have been like, are you kidding me? But it doesn't ruin it. Like yeah. it only ruins it after. It doesn't ruin it at all, first of all, but only after the fact that you're like, I guess he could have fit on there and all of this and this and this. And that's part of maybe like if it was intentional, he wanted people to question it. But I, don't, I think it's irrelevant because the story was so good that that thing could have been like an actual life raft. And even if Jack still died, the storytelling was so good that yeah. it just worked.
0: Yeah, there is that element of you're missing the point if you think that him living or dying matters. Exactly, <laughs> which right. Is, which is just the radical in the wildest way because he's the main character. He's, he's the guy. He's the hero. He's the protagonist. Yes. But it doesn't matter if he lives or dies at the end. That's not the point. It's not the point, Also, man. it's designed to be that way again. like Cameron can't be that meticulous with every last detail and then screw that up accidentally. Mm, he, yeah. he, That's he a good f- case for it then, I guess. He knew that Reddit's going to start
1: in 2005 or whatever,
0: and we need to have some material for them to discuss.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's a good point, actually. That makes me... Now I'm coming over to your side. It was intentional. Yeah, because you don't ask someone to make carpets for you from the original Titanic and then make a door for two people. <laughs>
0: that's like not for two people, but it is too big for one. It's like one and a half. It's 1.4. Yes, four. the like perfect questioning the middle perfect ground. perfect questioning, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, all right. I guess that was our best films laid out. No real arguments, no quarrels. Yeah. Just simply two bros suggesting what they feel like is the best. If there are anyone that's viewing to the end and you want to put your best film in the comments, do that, because I actually like reading what other people reckon their favorites are. Unless you want to go and put like Citizen Kane.
0: If you're going to put one of those classics that we'd find on a top five list, aside don't put from it. Titanic, don't put it.
1: Yes. Okay. But, alright. Catch you guys in the next episode.
0: Thank you for watching.